then we stumble away. with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that I welcome to the podcast this week. Fantastic, fantastic guest. I am so privileged and so blessed to have her. So without further ado, let's travel over and speak to the fantastically talented Beth Level. Hi, Beth. How are you? Hi. Thank you for calling me fantastically talented. That's so sweet. Because you I'm are. great. I'm fantastically that's wonderful so it's taken us forever to schedule because you are just everywhere and i love it thank you you're so busy i'm very lucky it's a cadillac of problems to be so busy (laughs) (laughs) now what are you working on right now right now i leave this weekend to go to wisconsin that's right wisconsin oh i have been selected to be a Lunfontan Fellow. I was nominated because I worked at Paper Mill Pumping House uh, last season doing the bandstand. And apparently every year, people from X amount of regional theaters across the country are nominated to become a Lunfontan Fellow. And I was nominated and they accepted me. I go to Wisconsin with nine other actors from all over the country who I don't know. And we go for a week of intensive study at the Lunfontan Summer Estate called Ten Chimneys. That so sounds I'm exciting. So I'm having to learn monologues and be a grown-up. And I'm going to stay there for a week and live and learn and be a student. And that's what's next. Then I get back and I go to Atlanta for three months to do what is hopefully the Broadway tryout of Casey Nicola's new show called The Prom. Oh, exciting. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet, tweet. I am so excited about that. I can hardly use my grown up voice. Well, that's, I guess I'll have to go to Atlanta and see the show because, you know. Yeah, I think you will. I'm I'm just so excited about it. It's original. It's written by Bob Martin, who wrote a little show called The Drowsy Chaperone. Of course. And uh, the music is by Matt Sklar and Chad Baglin. And we did a lab version of it last summer. And it was just kind of magical. And really special, and a good story, and uh, a great role, and I have an amazing eleven o'clock number. As you should, as you absolutely you know, should. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, and I feel it was kind of written for me, which is such a privilege. That's so amazing. I know that you know they wrote that note for me, and that expression for me, and that bit of comedy, and it's it's just a real privilege, and I'm very anxious to give birth to it in front of. You know our audience, our other scene partner, and to see to see what happens. That's amazing. 
So speaking of your 11 o'clock number, I feel like we'll just start this interview with a bunch of stories. I used to teach a (laughs) musical theater class and we would give our students different songs from different shows and they would have to look them up and figure out how to tell them in a different way and whatever. So I, um, (laughs) I get, I was on a drowsy kick and so it was either show off or stumble along. And I was like, well, everybody does show off. So let's do stumble along. So we gave them the song, and they went home, and they learned it, and they monologued it the next week, and I didn't think anything of it, and it was fine. And then the week after, when they had to perform it, after they had monologued it and really studied, we get mm-hmm. to the keep your eyeball on the highball. Mm-hmm. And this child acted it out so well that I felt like oh. the worst teacher in the world because she was 15. And she so, was like... Why did you think that? Why did you find the worst teacher in the world? Because she was 15. Oh, oh. And you're talking about highballs. She's singing about highballs and finally leaving the bar. And I'm like, oh my God, your parents hate me. Maybe that can be euphemisms for a certain thing. So, but yeah, the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's an homage to alcoholism. What can I say? It is. Well, I freaked out because I was like, oh my God. And she's like, I don't even know what a highball is. And I was like, oh, praise Jesus. Clear. <laughs> I, when I was studying for the role, speaking of being a student, I, you know, there was like references to gimlets and highballs and olives and the, the difference between an onion. And literally, I, I remember going, I was living in North Jersey at the time. I went to one of those big, big, off some, you know, I-80 or something, and the placemats <laughs> were like a catalog of different drinks and how to make them. And I thought, ooh, homework! Oh my god, so that's no, I hilarious. Drinks, but I folded the, the menu, the paper menu, and put it in my bag and took it home so I would know, I could speak with knowledge <laughs> about my alcoholic drinks, like gimlets and, and highballs and olives and I thought, I, I have such a hard job. I have to go study frou-frou alcohol and beverages. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> hilarious. Now, let's back up just a little bit before drowsy. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you go to college? I went twice. Uh, the first time I went to college was in Raleigh, North Carolina, at an all-girls school called Meredith College. I was really late getting into this business. I didn't do my first musical until I was a senior in high school. Oh, Wow. And that, and that was just because my best friend was like, let's just audition for this musical. I'm, I, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> said, yeah, it's a musical. It's Bridgerton. Whatever. It's a great way to meet boys. <laughs> so, I'm like, <laughs> so I auditioned and I got the, like the third or fourth lead, Bonnie Jean, who was kind of a dancer, which, you know, I, I move well. I don't consider myself a dancer dancer. But it was interesting, as we all in this business speak of, uh, that 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 light bulb went off, that that door opened to a passion I had no idea existed in my world or in my heart. But I didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was North Carolina in the 70s and 80s. So I went to this school, which I felt very safe, and have a degree in social work and counseling. Oh, my God. That me come in really, really handy. Yes. But there was a teacher there. So thank you, all teachers. There was a teacher there who, the drama teacher who kept pushing me to do every bit of theater I could get my hands on. And I did, you know, I did the spring musical. I did the fall play. I did the, there was a black box experience. I did, you know, Raleigh Little Theater, the community theater. I did everything I could, not knowing what else to do with my 
passion. So I left with a degree in social work counseling and a minor in theater. And my teacher, Linda Banford, said, why don't you go to New York and just pursue this a little bit? And I was way too scared. I was just too chicken. So I went and got a master's degree, an MFA, Master's of Fine Arts, at the uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which also changed my life. Just to be in that pool mm-hmm. of people that were as passionate or wanted to be as passionate or wanted to find their passion in theater. Uh, I could have I could have stayed in school for years. And I was there for two years and then um, did an audition at SETC, Southeastern Theater Conference, yes. and was accepted into a company called Pennsylvania Stage Company. And they gave me my equity card at the end of that eight months of doing everything known to man, working at the box office, third sword carrier from the left, and taming of the shrew. Uh, <laughs> and then I moved to New York. And that was a while ago. Tweet, tweet, tweet. I haven't looked back. That's amazing. And that's where I went to school. I'm still in school. That's why I'm, I'm still, every day I'm still in school, learning monologues. Always learning. Find it. Hello, college. Exactly. Life of learning. Now, you did all of that with a family as well. I did. I did. Well, after, I to, after I moved to New York, then I, yeah, I have two kids. I have two sons, 26 and 20, only 21, who have absolutely no interest whatsoever in this business. I mean, it can they go both got- ways. I know, right? It can go both ways. You can be excited or sad about it. I don't know. <laughs> get a job. Get a real job. I'm <laughs> borrow money. I feel like if they're tone deaf, then that's what's tough, right? I mean, I would think. Say what? Say that again? If they're tone deaf, I feel like that would be tough. No, they actually, my older one's a very, very good singer. He did one musical. He did Music Man in middle school, and he was really good. He just doesn't have, you know, the thing, the passion for it, so he appreciates it. (laughs) That's okay, though. Totally okay. Absolutely. When you... Do what he needs to do. Exactly. Absolutely. When you moved to New York, what was your first audition? Do you remember? Um, my first audition, I went and got a backstage paper. You know, you can do it online now. Absolutely. But every Thursday, that backstage came out. And I remember my first audition, or one of my first ones, was for the paperback players. I don't even really know if they're in exist. I think they still are. And I went down there, and it was one of those days I had five auditions. That was my first one. And it was so exciting. I would just check it off the paper. I didn't get it. But I would check it off the paper and, and go and go to the next one. And then I was trying to find an audition song that worked, which was really hard. Because <laughs> um, I didn't really know who I was or, you know, it was all a discovery. So I had some friends uh, who were very, very uh, important to me. And they would... They would listen to my work, and they helped me get an audition song. But they also wrote this musical. Uh, David Leedy and Leslie Everhard wrote this musical called The World's Greatest Girl Detective, which is based on the Nancy Drew novel. Yeah. And, you know, back back in my day, we didn't have the showcase. You know, a lot of the colleges and universities come up now with these great showcases that right. you can perform your stuff for the industry people or whatever. But they, at this point, David and Leslie rented out one of those tiny little theaters that no longer exist on Theater Row, way <laughs> down towards 10th and 11th Avenue. And we did a what would now be called kind of a 29-hour reading slash showcase. We're off book and memorized and everything. We did it, this presentation of World's Greatest Girl Detective, where I played uh, Consuelo. 
Oh. Her sassy neighbor. Yes. <laughs> Consuelo. And I had one of the funniest songs ever. Well, I remember sitting in the back of this theater. So it's so glamorous. Not. <laughs> and now looking back on that time, thinking how thankful I am that my young self didn't realize who was out in the audience that night. I thought it was just going to be a fun kind of night to sing a funny song and, you know, support my friend's shows. But there was, it was packed with people in the industry and agents. And oh, wow. So I just went out there and I had the privilege of singing this great song. And the next day I had so many offers from agents to come in and talk to them. And literally I had this feeling about this one man, this one agent that was out there. And I had a nice conversation with him. And I have been with that same agent for 33 years. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He's like the, the man I've been with the longest in my life. <laughs> He's my very dear friend. That's and amazing. I, 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 that was just a really lucky moment for me to be able to have that role and to get my agent that quickly. Absolutely. It's such a great song. I know. I know. I'm thinking about bringing that song back out. I've asked David who wrote it. It's find that song for me again. I need to I need to sing it somewhere. I need to revisit it. Well, let me know when you do, because I'm going to post it. I can't wait. Thank you. The, the, the title of the song is My Life is in Natana Del Rosa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even saying that right. Did you like how I kind of faked that accent? Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, no. Now, what was the first Broadway show you booked? 42nd Street. Uh, what was the, the original. I mean, I, I don't know how many people are old enough to have been in the original company and the revival. Yeah. I wasn't the original cast member. Um, I was in the first, I think it was called the first national tour. Um, it was one of them. I moved up in, to New York in October and I got this job in the following summer. And we went on, I was in, on the road for like eight months playing Any Kind Annie in 42nd Street. So and then the fun. role became available, opened up on Broadway. And so I was probably the fourth Anytime Annie in what was the original company of 42nd Street. And I did that for four years. Wow. So that was my, that was my Broadway debut. So that was with Jerry Orbach then? It was. He was in it the first couple of months I was there. Then he went on to probably do a, you know, huge TV show or something. And there was a whole, I, I did it with so many famous people. It's just amazing. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, it, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I left 42nd Street to do Grease with Jack Wagner, who was um, yep. an actor at the time, was on General Hospital. And that was, of course, supposed to go on a mini tour and then come and come to Broadway. But walk, walk. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen. And then and that happens. And then after that, we'll do a little show called Crazy for You. Yes. Oh my gosh, you've been in all of my favorite shows. Just want to put it out there. What is that? We were just talking yesterday, a friend of mine. We're talking about those moments in musical theater that have such an impact and it's so transformative that it takes you out of the building. And we were talking about that moment in Crazy for You when the curtain rises and you hear it and all of us girls step on that treadmill into. Dead Rock. Holy, holy smokes. That was a moment we even felt on stage that was just, it was magical. Wait. Sue Stroman and Mike Auckland. I just think that was one of the most 
brilliant musical theater visuals yes. ever. Well, I think a lot too. I'm going to do it for you right now. Get it in I think one of the great things about theater is, you are hilarious. I think one of the great things about theater is when well, some of my favorite shows are the show in a show, like the Forty Second Street Curtains and Crazy yeah, for You, me too. I'm where a sucker for those. you have to think about it, but then it takes you out of it takes you out of the theater, but then it takes you out again to just go into a different space, even though you're already in a different space. Like it's so cool. I love those. And plus, with me as a performer, I so you know I so relate to the journey that the actor is going through and all of her or his struggles. Absolutely, to be a Broadway performer or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So then you went on to come back to Forty Second Street with Christine Ebersole. I did. How about that? I I stood by for her and Mary Testa, and then she left to do something fabulous, and they offered me the role, and I stayed there. Gosh, and for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and was replaced by the divine Shirley Jones. Follow Shirley and Jones. Drowsy Chaperone. Oh my god, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, what was the hardest thing you learned about being on Broadway? Um. Well, I could write a book about that. <laughs> the hardest thing is to stay. When, excuse me if you've been doing a show four years, like 42nd Street, or three years, like crazy for you, is that you have the responsibility and the, and the privilege to make sure that each show, no matter how you are feeling, is as authentic as the first time you ever did it. Right. Just to keep it fresh and energized and worthy of the price that that person is paid to see you. Right. And I, I, some days that's easier than others, but I always think, and it's, I know it's true, even if it's, I just make it up and you know, adhere to it, I think that each time there's an audience member, an audience, a show, there's one person, one person in that audience that has never seen a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've romanticized about that, you know, saving money and, you know, selling Girl Scout cookies and, and selling toys to save enough money for plane ticket or a train ticket or a bus to come to New York and see a Broadway show and by God I'm gonna do my best to make sure it's memorable and worthy of right. worthy of that. That's that amazing. Helps me. Now who is your musical influence? Um, you know, I used to watch Carol Burnett of course a lot and just loved her show. I loved all the variety shows. So not until I moved to New York that I really start, which is really sad, listening to people like Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. And cause my, my, my home, we didn't listen to music a lot. We just didn't. We watched yeah. the TV a little bit. Um, but I, in college, I remember everyone going crazy over Bette Midler. And I listened to that album and Liza with a Z. Yes. I listened to that going, what is happening? <laughs> what are these fantastic women and why don't I know anything about this? And then I started listening to show, show tunes. And the album, because that's when I was, what is this world? And I just started eating up Broadway albums, listening to applause and, because we would do applause and listening to all these cast albums that were just magical. And, you know, we didn't have YouTube, so you just had to visualize what you thought was happening on a stage. And then I didn't even make my first trip to New York until I was 18 or 19 years old. And my, sat on the back row. 
of Greece that was still running. And then the next day I saw a clothesline and don't even remember sitting in the theater. I just remember looking at that show going, what is this magic? I know. And just sobbing in the most wonderful way that now I, 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 I wanted to know more and more and more and more about this. So this is what I do for a living. It sometimes blows my mind. That's so amazing. I, you know, you think mm. of a lot of the kids, and especially a lot of the people that I grew up in high school and in college with, that know more musical theater than, I mean, if you if it's possible, than Seth Rudetsky, you know, and that's so crazy to me. Right. Because you think right. about that having to be your track in order to get where you are. So I think it's really inspiring that you came into the storybook, if you will, a little bit later, which is kind of cool. It is cool. That's what I did. So, you know, that's my journey. That's what's happening. That's so and awesome. I wouldn't change any of it. I just, I, I wouldn't. Now, what... I wouldn't have been ready to do it any time sooner than I was. See, and that's so amazing, too, that you knew that you were ready when you finally decided. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to, you know, there's, there's a lot of logistics that have to happen, like how are you going to pay your rent? <laughs> So I just never started saving up money, and my parents gave me some money to start. So I was so grateful for their generosity with that. That's awesome. But it's hard. That can be one of the hard things about being up here. You just, you know, you have to pay your bills. Right. Until you become a, until you get that Broadway show. That's amazing. When you get that Broadway show. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what inspires you to keep educating and sharing the story or your story? But feeds my soul, for one thing. You know, and uh, we all are storytellers. We all share things. And when I share my story, then people share it back. And then what? something I'm really loving these days is helping people with their audition songs and their storytelling. It, to be in a room full of young artists that are trying to find their voice and to figure out where they fit in this business, Really, really, really feeds my soul and makes me very happy right. to be around that that energy and that oh that passion. So I love doing it. I love doing it, and I get so much back from it as well. That's incredible. And I still learn a couple of audition songs. You know, yeah, <laughs> like I, oh that's I, good. What's that song? Right. And they come in with these songs I've never heard before, and I just I love that. And again, it's like going to school. Here I'm a student again of all these new composers that I don't know and listening to their storytelling and oh it's just really it feeds feeds my heart that's awesome now what's the best advice you've ever been given um wow there's a lot you know it it sounds trite to say follow your heart because sometimes sometimes circumstances don't let you follow your heart but it's but I would try if you have a passion to see what you can do to make that become a reality. If it's not a passion, if you have a curiosity, just find out. And if it's to be a performer, I certainly would really try to do that. Absolutely. And if it's something that you make a living out of, great. If it's something that you just do for a year, that's fantastic too. You've done it for a year. You can say, I've done it. I experienced that. Let me take all these feelings and things I've learned and put it into where my life will be taking me now. Right. And then maybe come back to it 10 years later from now or whatever. I would just, I would try to really follow your heart and be prepared. It sounds cliche, but it's so true. I think a couple of interviews ago, I interviewed uh, David Lowenstein, who 
that was his theme of the podcast was just always be prepared. You never know. Yeah, because you know, absolutely. And as an artist, you know, we we really have to be prepared. Not only do we have to take care of ourselves financially, but we have to prepare ourselves as artists. Right. If you're a singer, you have to do, you have to have your material ready to audition, because we are our product. It sounds very unglamorous, but I am the best level product. Here is what I can bring as my product. Right. Um, I have this song. I have this energy. I have this love. I have this life. I have this knowledge. Um, bring it. And I can keep learning about my product and refining my product. Exactly. And celebrating my product in some great shows. Product. There's got to be a better word than that, but that's the only one I can think of right now. Outcome? It's my gift. This is my gift. So work on your gift. Okay. Make sure you come in with your, your gifts ready to be um, available, to work on, to sh- make, make your gifts shinier, to make a change, the gift a little bit here and there. Just keep growing. Be available. Keep learning. And uh, be open to what comes next. Oh, I love you. I just want to be your best friend. Mm. I just feel like it's important to share. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you could go and do something again in your life, what would it be? Do it over again. What would you do? Probably nothing. Okay. Because even the things that I made the huge mistakes and regrets about doing, I probably learned something from. Mm-hmm. And it made me who I am today. All good, all bad, whatever. So I would probably say nothing. That said, I really wish... I had taken a class and was a better music leader. Okay. Random, right? People sit, the kids, the kids sit down now, and even my peers sit down, they look at music, and it's, it's like they can read it. And I have, because I, I have a very good ear, but I can't sight read, mm-hmm. I have to spend so much time doing homework. And I wish I had taken that class. <laughs> I wish I had learned to sight read better. I wish I'd learned to sight read. So that's, that's my regret, even though maybe now, because I didn't sight read, I've had to really develop my ear and be quick at learning music. So again, maybe I shouldn't regret not sight reading, but I did. If it makes you feel any better, I went to college and took that class, and I'm still terrible at it, so it's okay. Okay, well, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, just with one of those things. I remember taking... My mother made me take me made me take violin in like fifth grade or sixth grade, and I still I don't know whether I just can't I'm I'm not very skilled at math. Oh, me either. Um, so the music is so much like math. It was just really difficult for me, and I remember in violin sitting around, which would probably be encouraged today, but I would hear the tune and repeat it mm-hmm. as opposed to reading the notes. Yeah, which was cheating. Which was cheating. And my teacher one day just without pulled out a fresh sheet of paper no one had ever heard and put it in front of me and said, play it. Yeah. I was busted. I was so busted. Oh, we are in the same you, boat. She said, you can't read that, can you? And I went, not very well. I tried to do it. Oh. Anyway. Uh, it happened mm. to me. I, I played by ear for many, many years, and I would go to my recitals and I would put the book up on the music stand and I would play through the whole piece. Now the piece was like four pages and I would not turn a single page. So my piano teacher was like, what is your deal? I can't figure this out. 
And, you know, I knew where the notes were on the page and I could tell, like, where they were and whatever. But then at the end of every lesson, when she would give me a new piece, I would go, Uh can you play this for me? And she would go, sure, because I was a sneaky little child and was like, play it for me. I just want to get a feel for it. And she would play it for me and I would play it exactly how she played it. There you go. And so one day she decided to play a piece that she knew very well out of order. Uh And so the next lesson I came in and I played it and she goes, that's not how it goes. And because I wasn't skilled enough at storytelling as an actor, I'll use that phrase because it's better. um, I told her, (laughs) well, that's what you played for me. And she goes, I know I played it wrong. I was like, oh, you. So we learned. We learned. Busted. We learned, we learned. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so what's in your audition binder now? My audition binder. Yeah, I don't have a book. I have tunes that I sing. When I audition now, I'm almost 95% of the time asked to sing something new from the piece that I'm auditioning for. 99% of the time, which is another reason why I wish I sight read better, because I have to call my vocal coach and go over there, plunk out the notes and work on it musically before I even begin the storytelling journey. So that's, but if I, my audition book now, quote unquote, is just the stuff now that I'm putting together for concert work and the 54 Below Act, that's not like a catalog now of songs that I love and that are in my DNA and that I've personalized and that I really enjoy singing. So I have a whole lot of those. That's awesome. That I keep adding into if I do the show. Like I just was in Baltimore last week doing the concert version of Hairspray. Oh, fun. With, I know, narrated by John Waters with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, which was so spectacular. I think Velma. I'm not going to put Baltimore crabs in my book. But there's got to be something in that score that I can somehow personalize and make relevant to death level storytelling. It's Absolutely. just such a magical score. Oh my gosh. And so, I don't know. So maybe I'll find something from that. So NBC, <laughs> NBC what? Did I, did I just hear that? What'd you say? What say? Say did that I, again? Did I just hear you say something about NBC and Baltimore Crabs? What? Hmm? No. Oh. Yeah, you did not hear that. Okay. I thought I heard it. I was saying the song I sang, Baltimore Crab, <laughs> is not my favorite song out of the show, and that's the song I got to sing with Zelma, which is the role I played with the Baltimore Symphony. Got you. Okay. I was. I didn't but know if you were like. Four. I didn't know if you're trying to get into the NBC show. I was just trying to plug it. You know. I. You know. Oh, you're so sweet. Who? I mean, no, just well, saying. No, but I'm available to whatever. <laughs> so. um... Another story, we were doing hairspray here in, uh, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but we were doing hairspray in upstate New York, and my best friend was a director, and I was a music director, and we were trying to get the kids to really understand the show, and I don't remember how this question came up, but we we asked the kids, and they're high schoolers, what does Velma have that Tracy doesn't want? Or it was phrased in some weird way that, like, left us open for a lot of weird answers, and we didn't think about it. So we're sitting up at the front and we're sitting on the stage and giving them notes. And my best friend goes, so guys, what is, what does Velma have that nobody wants? And this kid raises his hand and goes, crabs. 
Like, oh. <laughs> Check, please. Check, please. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Like, oh, you, a little child, yeah. are disgusting. But, uh, and true. <laughs> and very true. So, I have... I have a couple questions for you that are my questions, and I have a couple listener questions for you. Sure. Um, your friendship with Stacia Fernandez is one of the most beautiful oh. things that I have ever heard of in musical theater and or life history. How did that spring oh. into action? How, what happened? How did that happen? Um, we well, First of all, we had two degrees of separation with our posse friends. So <laughs> we were cast in a show off-Broadway one of the last shows ever at the John Houseman Theater on Theater Row, 32nd Street. And we did a musical called Lone Star Love. Yes. And we fell in love with each other. That's and we've awesome. been so close ever since then. And that was quite a while ago. I can't even remember, 1980. Not, I don't remember. That's but incredible. We just bonded so much. And we've just, she's one of my best friends ever. I tried to get her to dish on you, and she didn't have anything. I was like, well, this has been fun. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. I'm actually seeing her in two days. So oh, are you? Was like, what dish would you just turn on me? The only and dish that I... She's a, a southern girl, too. Uh, yes, she, she is. is. The only dish that I have on you from her, which was hilarious and makes me pee my <laughs> pants to this day, is when... Um, I guess you were rehearsing for Drowsy, and you were rehearsing Stumble Along... And I guess the directors are trying to get Stumble Along to really sing, if you will, in blocking-wise. Uh-huh. And she said you were on the floor, crawling towards the pit, hands first, and ended the whole song with your head, like, in the pit. And I guess one of the directors was like, that was hilarious. Don't do that again. Yeah. And I about peed yeah, my I pants. That. We did that. At, it's so close to the story. We actually did it... Um when we came from L.A., we found out we got a theater finally, and we were doing a presentation at the 42nd Street Studios, like uh, kind of a designer run. Yes. And at the end of Stumble, which is one of the things I really love about Casey Nicola as a director, he lets you try anything. And at the end of Stumble Along, I couldn't help it. <laughs> As they're applauding, you know, Beatrice is asking for applause. I lay down on the floor with my <laughs> arms out and my head down. And I thought the cast was going to pee their pants. They were laughing so hard. <laughs> Everyone was laughing. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> At the end of the thing, Casey went, oh, my God, that was so funny. But don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the very final show, Closing Night of Drowsy, they dared me to do it, and I did. Yes. And Patrick Wessel was in the wings, filming the end of Drowsy, and I hear them going, do it, do it. And at the end, I went all the way down on the floor, <laughs> just shameless, shameless, shameless. That's and, hilarious. And uh, it got a big laugh, and it felt really good. And by then, Beatrice, my character, she so would have done that. That's she hilarious. She would have done anything. Yes, but that is true. That is true. Oh, my goodness. Strong and wrong. Right, exactly. So the big final question that is my own is the Tony Award. Oh. What did... I can't even imagine. We just had Tony Award Sunday this past weekend, and I cannot imagine what that must have felt like. What, What was that? What did that mean to you? 
the whole Tony Award thing, it's, that would be another book. A, just the whole thing leading up to the Tony Awards and everything and sitting there. It was, it was interesting with Drowsy. We got there and I had to go to the red carpet as Beth. And then I had to change my clothes and wig and makeup to be Beatrice Stockwell. And we did the, that, that number, the show off right. number. Then I had to go back upstairs, get all back into Beth again. And I remember waiting in the aisles for a commercial break with a handler. And running back to my seat about eight minutes before my category was announced. Oh my God! So it was it was so intense. And I remember sitting five years ago with Baby It's You. The show was closed. I knew I wasn't going to win, and I sat there with my son as my date. And so I was like, so this is what it was like sitting around being <laughs> in that office and the you know celebration of our community. And having the best time ever. Right. With the drowsy, all I remember is sitting in my chair, finally sitting there. And it, the process, your mind and your body goes through as they wait to call or not call your name. Right. We have been given, which is a lovely tradition of the Tony Awards, that they, they give the, the nominees, all of us, uh, a luncheon up at the Rainbow Room, and part of that's just to celebrate and be in the room without press and just to get, and get to know each other. Uh, and they showed some clips of Tony's speeches, and it was so exciting. And then also it was a slight tutorial, and if you're lucky enough to win, once they say your name, you have 90 seconds. Right. From the minute they call your name till they start playing that music. So for some reason that was when I heard my name, I literally left my body. But I was thinking, yeah, you have 90 seconds. Yeah, and if you look, I'm like running down that aisle. Danny Burton gives me kisses. Like they just stop, Martin. I'm just running, <laughs> trying to as much as I can say what I remembered. I wrote like a couple little things down on a piece of paper in case I won, just not to forget to thank these people and. I remember hearing the music, thanking my mother and father in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the rest of the night's kind of a uh, delicious blur. Well, there's that. <laughs> and one of the most, duh, amazing moments of my life. That's incredible. In one of the most amazing shows I've ever had the privilege to be in. I wish that I got to see it live. I, You know, I was on I wasn't on TV. I don't know what words are coming out of my mouth. I just got so excited when you said you won a Tony. Um I got to watch it and it was just so exhilarating. And then, you know, hearing talking to some people that have won a Tony, they're like, you really don't remember the day. You remember running up, you remember giving your award, you do all this this press afterwards, you get your picture taken a thousand times, you go home, you have a hangover the next day, and you really don't remember what just happened. Yeah, I just remember as I remember thinking as I'm running up to the podium, please, please, please don't curse. <laughs> please, please don't fall. Because the dress was tight, you know, and I had on these pumps. I was like, please, please don't fall or curse. So I didn't. But it, it, I remember standing there in this that year, the drowsy year, it was at Radio City. And you're standing there in front of a clear plexiglass podium with a microphone and looking out um, the sea it felt like a million people that's crazy and 
talk. And you know, we're actors. We do that. That's what we do. But it's right. not as us. It's as our characters that right. we're able to hide behind. So to just yeah. be up there at best level was That's terrifying. incredible, though. So <laughs> and incredible. inevitably a, a life moment. That's amazing. Oh, gosh. Now, I have some listener questions. Sure. And so, Christine, our first question air, questioner, question mm-hmm. asker, I don't know, would like to know, how do you stay so damn beautiful? Oh, that's that is so sweet. That is so sweet. I, I, I don't feel that way at all, so I am so grateful as a as a woman approaching my older, wiser years, that I I love what I do. And I'm happy in my life and in my world. And I hope that that inner beauty always reflects whatever beauty is going to be outside. Well, it sure That's does. That's so Christine. Ella would like to know, when do you plan on reprising the role of Drowsy? As soon as they ask. I have asked you, so I'll see you in Virginia. <laughs> Soon as they asked me to, I would like to revisit again. Uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. so brilliant. Rory would like to know what are you? What? When did you? Rev- wow, my writing is terrible. I cannot read my penmanship okay. to save my life. <laughs> when did you realize acting was for you, and how did you embrace it? Go back to that first story. I realized acting was for me when I did Brigadoon in high school. I realized it then it wasn't a realization mm-hmm. that I could actually do it and make a living until sometime after grad school. And after I moved to New York and got my first paycheck, I was like, yes, this is possible. This is possible. That's let's, let's try this. That's so that's when it happened. Missy would like to know, how was it working with Patrick Wetzel? <laughs> I love Patrick Wetzel. So much. The only problem I have with Patrick Wessel is that he makes me laugh <laughs> so hard. I have to be careful when I'm with him on stage. I just think he's one of the most genuine, funniest people I know. And when I'm with him on stage, I'm constantly wanting to watch him to be amused and amazed. That's amazing. By all that he is. <laughs> now he's just, I just love him, love him, love him. So, yeah, that's how it is working with him. That's awesome. I consider him a dear friend and a dear, wonderful person. Oh. He really makes me laugh. Now, Marquia would like to know what makes you attracted to a oh. role, and what is your favorite yeah. Mark? Uh, what makes you attracted to a role, and what's your favorite uh-huh. part of the rehearsal process? Wow, what makes me attracted to a role? A, if, if it somehow speaks to me, if it's something that I can personalize and really bring part of my best package, my best, a lot of the word gifts to, mm-hmm. that it so excites me that I may have an idea that can help give birth to this character, particularly if it's an original role, which is kind of what I'm thinking. If it's something that's never been done, has no one else's DNA in it, that's so thrilling to think that I can put my DNA in something. Right. And between me and the creative, give birth to something that's important and wonderful. And that, in addition, is part of my favorite rehearsal, part of the rehearsal process. Discovering that, making choices, taking risks, making mistakes, making good choices. And then what's really magical is that when all the puzzle pieces, including my DNA, 
and the creatives come together on an opening night and you have something, say, like Drowsy Chaperone, and you feel like, wow, that was important and magical that we did. And that feels amazing. That's amazing. Conversely, there's roles that that doesn't happen. But it's still exciting. It's still exciting trying to find and rehearse and explore and, like I said, make mistakes make and make great choices and give birth, be a storyteller, and have it be successful. What we do, it's, it's kind of magical. That's brilliant. Yeah. All right. So we know you as an actress. We watched you win the Tony Award and you didn't curse, but I would love to know. I didn't. <laughs> I would love to know a couple things about you as Beth Level, the non-actress. So I want to know some dirty details about you. You ready? Yes. We have some rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. What is your favorite color? Um, my favorite color is cranberry. <laughs> I love you. I don't know. It's true. You should see my living room. It's like, oh, hi. You like red? Oh, God. I love you. Your favorite candy? I'm not a big sugar person, so candy is not my favorite thing in the world. But careful, don't put potato chips or peanuts in front of me. Done. Because if it's salt, I will eat it. Okay. But if I was going to eat candy, it would be dark chocolate M&M's. Okay. Cool. Yes. Favorite TV show? Um, chopped. Favorite pre-show it's meal? Like, favorite what? Pre-show meal. Oh, that's hard. That's almost like an oxymoron, pre-show meal. <laughs> you know, like, if you're, when I sing, I, I can't really sing before the show. But if I'm going, I usually eat about four o'clock and favorite pre-shows, like, you know, pasta, chicken, something that. You can still breathe in your costume, but it gives you energy. So right. it's like protein. Okay. Favorite. Okay, this not favorite. My, the one I eat is like chicken with broccoli and rice and a salad. Something that you feel comfortable with. <laughs> that not, not necessarily is my favorite food. But that's why you say that for your day off when you're not thinking. Or when you're not working, it's like, heck yeah, bring that lasagna right now. <laughs> your favorite post-show yeah. meal. My favorite what? Your post-show meal. Oh, my gosh. That would be uh, cheese and crackers. Yes. Cheese crackers and some Chardonnay. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm all about it. Maybe some fatty, maybe, maybe some fatty meat. So, of course, I don't eat that every day. <laughs> this is an <laughs> ideal world favorite kind of. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I'm with you. Your favorite uh, current running Broadway show? Uh, right now, there's, this season was so good. I have so many choices. I have not seen Hamilton, so okay. I can't put that in the mix. But the one I saw last week, I saw Cover Purple and was transformed. Yes. Oh my gosh, Cynthia, Cynthia Arrivo, all of it. I have and Shuffle Along and Bright Star and Top, and they were just such a great, great season. But the one I saw, the, the one that's closest to my memory and my heart right now, is that I saw Color Purple. It was oh, just brilliant, breathtaking. Now. Did, did you not think that Audra McDonald was going to have that child during the Shuffle Along performance? At being a mom and being pregnant, believe me, I was, I was worried about her, not because of any way she was acting. She was stunning up there. Absolutely. But I was, I was wondering if the baby's going to come out singing. I'm just wild at that. Yeah. <laughs> How much the baby's going to know the whole score. 
and how beautiful she was. Wasn't oh she? Oh my gosh, that was such a beautiful show. And that she's up there. I'm not sure how many months pregnant she is, but God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Just up there, kicking tap dancing and storytelling and singing like only she can do. Brilliance. Oh. Absolutely. Did you brilliant. see that high kick on the Tony? I did. And I was like, well, that's that's incredible. I can't even do that. And I cannot bear children, period. It's, so there you go. And that was amazing. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't do that. Anyway, so, yeah. Amazing. Hi. How about your favorite Broadway cast recording? Oh, wow. Okay, I have not seen Hamilton, but I listened to it. Okay. So <laughs> that, that will be one of my favorites. I also really, really love... Uh, into the Woods. Yes. And Rent. Okay. I, I could just go on and on, but let's, we'll stop it there. <laughs> you know, when you just sit down and you, you just you just listen to it and you just, it's like you're seeing the show. Yes. Woo. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite season? Summer, spring, winter, or fall? Fall. Favorite coast? <laughs> East coast or west coast? Uh, East coast. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, boy. You know, that depends on my mood. But right now, wouldn't you just love to be someplace near the water? Yes. Blue, warm water with people bringing you umbrella drinks and food. Yes, please. Right now. That sounds really... <laughs> sometimes in the in the heat of the summer here in New York, I go, wow, I wonder what Montreal would be like right now. Or Alaska. No, thank so I you. Have seasonal favorite. Right now, I'm wanting some blue water. Okay. Oof. What has been your uh, dream role? Um, it, what has been my dream role, which this is my duh, broken record, is drowsy for the, the whole DNA reason I was talking about. And sometimes I get the, the question, "What is a dream role that you want to do?" Uh, I lead off with really and truly the next one that I can put all my DNA in, whatever that's going to be. Okay. It's the prom right now. So I'm, I'm looking so forward to originating another role. That said, I'm really ready to do uh, Mama Rose. Ah. Uh, I did it in school, yes. which, you know, yes, but now, now I understand it. Okay. I just understand it better. So now I'm ready to kind of put those shoes on sometime. And... And make that journey. So I know that score. And that story. I know. Jeez. So in other words, you have just planned my season for me here in Virginia. So. You're welcome. We'll ju- well, no, You're it's welcome. fine. You're welcome. You get to come and do all these shows. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we have a little thing on this podcast that we started doing not too long ago where uh, the previous guest that I interviewed leaves a question for the oh, guests that. that I am currently interviewing. So I would love to ask you their question and then to get a question from cool. you for our next guest. Thrilled. The previous guest asked, if you have any regrets in your life, have you learned from them or have they been holding you back? Who asked that question? What a great question. I can only tell you after you answer. Oh, I see. Do I have any regrets? Again, have I made bad choices? Yes. Should I regret them all? I don't know. Because, like I said, I think I learned from it. Mm -hmm. So if I've made a mistake, I'm hoping that I choose not regret. But, oh, what can I do not to make 
this bad choice again? Right. How can I be stronger in that? What can I do better? So I think I learned from them. I hate, I, I hate the word regret. Um, so no, I don't have regrets. I, would I change? Or is every decision I've ever made perfect? No. But it's all leading me to the person I am today and the person that I continue to try to become. Right. Bam. Ah, oh, boom. That question was asked to you by a fellow Tony Award winner, Rondi Reed. Oh. Now, what oh. is your question? Um, do I know who I'm asking it to? You do not. Okay. All right. So my question to the next person, look, I wish I had more time to think about this, <laughs> would be if you weren't in this business, what would you be doing? Okay. We'll see. As we, we'll see. That's amazing. Oh, now I'm going to find out who it is. You go, oh, darn, I wanted another question. <laughs> My favorite question that was asked of somebody because they didn't know who it was was, <laughs> uh-huh. was uh, Lucy Arnaz. She's like, I don't know. I don't know what to ask. Um, what do they feel about global warming? So I wrote it down. <laughs> and the person, that I, <laughs> the person that I asked it to was Christine Petty. And she literally goes, who, I don't, why would I know? And I was like, she didn't know it was you. She just asked the question. She's like, I don't know. It's brilliant. Good question. So, oh my gosh. In closing, what advice do you have for those artists of any age that are just starting out in this business or trying to find their way? What do you, what do you have for them? I would always say, try to keep discovering who you are as a person and therefore you'll know what you can bring, how to strengthen your gifts as a performer and what you can bring to the table at the audition room. Try to be as discover and be as authentic as you can in, in your work. Keep learning and you have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. You just have to be persistent. You also have to learn, which I still try to learn to this day, that sometimes when people say no, or you don't get a job, it's not because you're not worthy of it. Right. So be persistent. Just keep keep doing it until you until you get what you need. And follow your passion. See what happens. Oh, be that's smart. So, so brilliant. Be safe. So, you know, love. You. Love is love. Love is love. Absolutely. Love. Absolutely. And just since we're on the conversation... What is your take on what's been happening recently? That's so mind-blowing. It is. It's, you know, left us all. It's more than I could really speak of in this interview. But it's made me so sad and heartbroken. And I I do really appreciate Lynn's words. Love is love is love is love is love. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to lead with that. Absolutely. I have to lead with that. Uh, it's, it is. is. And it's so interesting. What just to... and, that the to- and that the Tony Awards were that night. You yeah. Know? I, I needed them that night so much. Absolutely. And it's, to, you know, it's you know, so interesting that every generation has 
has something. My parents have JFK. I have 9-11. Um, right. Some of the younger kids have Sandy Hook and different things like that. And it's just so interesting mm-hmm. that you will now remember where you were and what you were doing and what it felt like. And the difference, I think, in even 9-11, which was, oh gosh, 13, 14 years ago, I think. Yeah, 11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The technology, was it 13? I think it was. Yeah. You could do, I can't do math again. <laughs> the, the technology is so different that we knew in real time what was happening on Sunday, you know, and that's so yeah. crazy with Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and the videos and the instant posts. It's, it's incredible to, um, and I don't use incredible in the best way. It was just so weird to, to hear people's instant reactions and to hear a lot of things that I unfortunately wish I didn't hear. You know, and I, I don't mean yeah. it that way. I, I totally understand. But there's, you know, it's hard. It's very hard. But Indeed. on an upswing of this, I am so <laughs> thankful that you have agreed to answer all of these questions and share your heart and your stories and, and share a little bit of your feelings on what's been happening in this world recently. Um, it, it means a lot. And it really does take people out of from what I've heard, I can't really speak for all of them, but it takes people out of their everyday lives to just listen to fun conversation and learn. And it really is um, a masterclass in my ears. So, because, you know, some Aww. people use earbuds. So thank you for it being a my, part of it. It was my pleasure. And thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we leave, plug yourself. Mm-hmm. What's next? Where are you going to be? How can we find out? Where can we get tickets? If you know that in advance, Tell us everything. Um, uh, next thing you can get tickets for is I'm at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. This summer, I think we start previews August. The prom closes September 25th. And we'll see what happens to it after that. Tweet, tweet, spit, spit. And there's it's also... a beautiful story. A beautiful, oh. funny, new, completely original musical. That's amazing. And there's also talk yeah. about bandstand going to Broadway. Is that a thing? I I hear the same talk. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh yeah. my! Well, thank you so much for being with us. You're yeah. on the social media, Google, YouTube, all of that good stuff. There's a beautiful video up on YouTube of your Tony Awards acceptance speech. If you've forgotten what it Aww. was, I promise you didn't oh, no, curse. I've forgotten. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate oh, you. What a delight talking to you. Thanks for doing this. Thank and you for being on. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thanks again. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. My thanks to Beth Lovell for telling all of her stories and sharing her joy and her fun with us and her advice. It has been a pleasure to always bring these great podcasts to you, and I hope you enjoy them. Have a wonderful day doing whatever you're doing, and we'll speak with you the next time we speak with you. Bye, everybody.